Welcome into another edition of the Jungle Juice Podcast. It's Sam Gormley with Mick Nelson. Mick, how's it going? It's Victory Tuesday, I guess, to switch it up a little bit here for you. Yeah, the circadian rhythm's off right now. We are. We're, we're a day early on this thing. Um, but yeah, another victory, uh, victory week here for Cincinnati Bengals. 27-24 overtime win against the Vikings. Identical to... The week one game against the Vikings in 2021. It's weird. Yeah, it, it, it's it's kind of, weird sometimes. Yeah, it is. You know, Evan McPherson game winner in overtime. It's just kind of wild. All of the things that that really match up with it. Uh, Hooday, Tim, thanks for for joining Hooday, us here. Tim. As uh, we are just a day early. Part of it is, if we're being honest, is I'm unavailable tomorrow, and so I I can't. Uh, the day job has has taken over for that. It would either be us doing it tomorrow night at probably about 1 a.m. or doing it today. So it probably works best that we're doing it today for this. Uh, but it also kind of makes sense as well because we're Saturday to Saturday as far as games. That means everything's kind of moved up a day anyways. So we're going to kind of continue on the trend with that. But we thank everyone for tuning in to today's episode of the show. We are going to, of course, recap that win over the Vikings Look at the uh, playoff picture because there's a lot to, to look at with this. What are the teams you should be looking at at cheering for? What are the teams the Bengals need to lose and all of that? Uh, injuries. A couple of big ones happened on Saturday against the Vikings. What impact could those potentially have? And, of course, previewing the game against the city near West Virginia on Saturday. So it should be a great episode of the show for that. Of course, we want to Make sure that we uh, give a shout out to our guy, Josh Isles, over at WDN Today. We're streaming on Good his Facebook Josh. page. Uh, he, uh, and then also on our Facebook page, Jungle Juice. And then for the first time today on the Jungle Juice Twitter, X, artist formerly known as Twitter, whatever you want to call it, it uh, we're on there. You can follow us on Twitter at the Jungle Juice Pod on Twitter. So follow us along there. So we appreciate everyone for joining us on today's episode of the show. But first, Mick, let's uh, let's just dive right in to that win over the Vikings on Saturday, a 27-24 game that the Cincinnati Bengals trailed 17-3 at the start of the fourth quarter, and then Jake Browning does what Jake Browning does, and it was a wild sequence to end the game. And you got a really good soundbite from him after the game. It's pretty awesome. That was about as good. I was. I think it was probably better than the than the Joe Burrow one in front of Pittsburgh last year. Uh, but yeah, really good game. Uh, what what were your thoughts on the Saturday day, Saturday game, Sam? I actually uh, really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. It's it was different. It, it's kind of one of those that <laughs> I almost need like a three day weekend and put it like right smack in the middle because for me, I worked late on Friday, so it was getting up really early and driving up. Uh, so that was a little rough, but it was really nice having the day to recover on the back end. So it was like, I, I, I it's kind of one of those that uh, you, you, you give and you give a little bit, um, with that. Uh, I, I think you mentioned that clip from Jake Browning. And I think if you haven't seen it yet, what he said was pretty much, uh, should have never cut me. And he might've thrown in a, a expletive in there as well, because of course, like we touched on last week, Jake Browning was a former practice squad quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings. And I think it was really interesting with that is he went in depth about explaining how 
it was whatever year it was, 19 or 20, I don't really remember. And he said that the Vikings said, hey, you're going to be cut from the 53-man, but we might have you on the practice squad. So please just go to the hotel room and we'll call you. We'd like, we we want to get you on the practice squad. And he said a call never came. And Ooh. that, to me, is probably, you can tell that that kind of ate at him a little bit. And there probably was a little bit of an extra edge for uh, Jake Browning or whatever. All of the nicknames people are trying to get. Uh, Jake Shiesty, I've heard. I don't I don't. I don't know that any of them they're just, really. They're just doing all of Joe Burrow's nickname, except for Jake Franchise, because that would just be insane. Uh, but they're using all of Joe Burrow's nicknames and just putting them on Jake. And, like, yeah, that's all they're doing. I mean, looked a little shysty out there, I guess. I, I kind I've of agree with Tim. Nickname, Jake, this... but I don't know if I want to say it on, uh, on the this air right jake the snake is probably my favorite family friendly version but that's just uh, a rip off of jake Plummer, legendary jake quarterback for the cardinals and broncos by the way i mean jake browning's putting up better numbers than jake Plummer ever did listen yeah but he was named jake the snake first you can't just steal somebody's nickname away from I, I mean, I listen, I'm not the guy that, that usually gets to make those decisions on that. But to me, maybe the most impressive part about Jake Browning is it's two, two aspects from that game on Saturday. Uh, the first one is, and I think you mentioned this as we were walking out of the stadium, Mick, is he completed passes to 11 different receivers. And he had yes. targeted 12, just drew sample. And I, I was trying to remember, I should have gone back and watched the specific play. I couldn't remember whether that was a Drew Sample drop, bad throw, what it was. I think it was a Drew Sample drop. At least he was charged with one drop on PFF for the game. So, so I'm going to that go play to, was the drop, probably. So, that, yeah. but if he doesn't, if he catches that, then that is completing a pass to twelve different receivers, which I would have to assume is one of the highest in the NFL this year. Yeah, as far and, as and most I, different receivers. Yeah, and I wanted to highlight this after the Colts game, actually. I think he re- completed a ball to like eight or nine different guys in that game. And I thought it was really impressive how, how Jake was spreading r- the ball around at that game. And, you know, he thought, oh, eight, eight or nine, that's good. You know, let me try 11 or 12. Like, there was, everybody was uh, getting some love from Jake Browning in the game. And, they, and everybody was involved in, in some way, shape, or form. Did, I wonder, did Yoshivash get a, get a catch did. in the game? He, he did. did? Okay. He, he had, I think, one catch for Star- five yards Charlie in the game. Charlie could have had a great touchdown. That guy was wide open uh, on a uh, on a post play in the second quarter. So, yeah, that could have been another one. I mean, he Charlie had another catch as well. Charlie Jones did have well? another. Yes, oh, he did. Yeah. On the little out play to the far side of the field, I remember in that. But I think yes, that was a yes. big thing that, that stands out. But to me, when you compound that with – Jake Browning threw a pick in that game that was just about as bad of a pick as you could throw, if we're being honest. Yeah. He threw it into double coverage, and not throwing it into double coverage to T. Higgins, if uh, if he didn't throw it into double coverage to Jamar Chase. Heck, he didn't even throw it into double coverage for Tyler Boyd. No, he decides, you know what? I'm throwing it into double coverage with Irv Smith. He, he heard all the talk about the Irv Smith revenge game, right? It wanted to be the double Vikings said, revenge game, and instead yeah, just threw taking it. the Vikings by storm with revenge. Like that was the story mode of the whole game. And was, he maybe maybe he 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 do uh, 
you know, took an extra level there through the pick. But to me, the most impressive part about it was that that pick didn't snowball. You see that so often with backup quarterbacks. They've been playing really well. And Jake Browning's had a couple of bad throws. You know, he had the pick six against the Colts, didn't let it snowball. Uh, But he also threw that pick six and then immediately went into the half. So that kind of momentum of sorts, the negative momentum, didn't really have a chance to to carry over. And this game against the Vikings, it absolutely did. And he did not let it affect him. And I think that is super, super impressive for a backup quarterback because you're seeing his confidence continue to grow more and more and more. Yeah. Yeah. The the short memory aspect of it is is very impressive for – somebody that hasn't had a lot of playing experience in the league. Um, and I think that just kind of gives the show the types of quarterbacks, at least, that, that Zach brings into the building. And, uh, you know, they, they obviously they drafted Burrow, and, he, and Burrow has that kind of mentality. I feel like Brandon Allen was kind of, you know, you know, chill, laid back, you know, didn't let, you know, anything get to him, you know, when he was playing in 2020. Now, he didn't look nearly as good as Jake Browning does in 2023, but still had that demeanor. And, and Jake kind of just shows those same traits. I mean, um, and, and he's just looked really good. Oh, yeah. Josh did mention something in a comment. And, uh, you know, so what's the situation with Jake going forward? I don't know if I'm even really too familiar with it. I heard if we yeah, it, it's, offer it's him one of those... that minimum, we can keep him. Or Correct. He's pretty much guaranteed under con. So he's an exclusive right restricted free agent. And okay. the long story short with that is pretty much the Bengals. And I'm trying to find the best way to describe it. And really the only way I can think of it is it's almost like they put the franchise tag on him. But it's it's the vet minimum instead, meaning that he is a Cincinnati Bengal next year. Now, I mean, theoretically, they can release him from that and then re-sign him to a longer deal, but then obviously mm-hmm. he's open to everybody when it comes to that. So it's just kind of one of those things that it's almost bad luck for Jake Browning, but that would be the potential that if they would want to trade him. But I agree with what Josh says here. Jake Browning's not going to draw any trade interest higher than a fifth or a sixth. I agree. I mean, it's not like I know that we had a we were discussing in our admin for the Houday Nation Facebook group, our group chat. You know, somebody put in thinking that they could get a first or a second for Jake Browning. And my response to that was, if if somebody wants to offer a first round pick for Jake Browning today, I will uh, I'll help him pack. And listen, I love the guy, but he, he's not going to get that. I, I mean, I, plus the Bengals now have a backup quarterback. Yeah. A legitimately that's, good backup quarterback. To now, me, that's that's so much more important than what a sixth round pick could potentially bring you. Yeah. Um, and can I can I bring up a point? You, you brought up a good point with him not, you know, getting any trade interest. And you know, if you look at the way the league's kind of evolving, um, you know, the, having an elite tier quarterback is essentially a must now for you know making any noise in the playoffs and winning a super bowl i mean i guess the rams did it with matthew stafford even though matthew stafford i think is really good but i i don't know if he's in that elite top eight i think he's probably fringe top eight but you're looking for a top eight quarterback or at least a top 10 quarterback to get there i don't think anybody thinks that jake browning is a top 10 quarterback 
even with this stretch of play that he's had. And but is he think, Nick Foles? Yeah, but you're not. Yeah, and that goes back to the like he may get a fifth or sixth round entrance, but like, hell, I don't even know if Kirk Cousins could garner much more than a third or a fourth now. That's an established starter in the league. Um, but yeah, I, you're going for Nick Foles. I don't think teams are wanting to make the same mistakes that you know who made the who made the Nick Foles. I guess the Jaguars signed him. Yeah, to I was going to say it was Jacksonville. It wasn't a trade, was they, it? They, there were, I think, some people that popped out there that said, uh, you know, that he would have only gotten like a fifth or a sixth round pick, so he ended up going into free agency with that. But I, I mean, I, I just think, listen, and here's also the fact, and it's pretty much what Josh is saying here. Joe Burrow is the Cincinnati Bengals quarterback. Yes, it doesn't is. matter if Jake Browning goes out here and is and plays even better than he has been playing and leads the Bengals to a Super Bowl. Uh, Joe Burrow is going to be the starting quarterback, barring something unforeseen, you know, injury or, or you know, whatever it might be. Joe Burrow is the Bengals' starting quarterback. They've built this franchise around Joe Burrow. You're going to pat Jake Browning on the head and said, "Man, good job. You did your job. Great. Perfect." Good job, bud. But Joe Burrow is the Cincinnati Bengals quarterback, and he should be. I mean, there's listen, Jake Browning's been great, but the Bengals paid Joe Burrow $275 million for a reason because he is, like you mentioned, one of the X, you know, whatever you number you want to use, best quarterbacks in the league. So how long can they retain Jake Browning? Um, if so they the, decide the, to give them that ERFA tag or whatever, this will probably be a good conversation too for the offseason. Mm -hmm. Uh, because I, I think what that is, it is essentially the franchise tag as far as it's a one year deal with that. And then you can start working out an extension or however it might work with that. But you never know if Jake Browning might say, maybe, uh, maybe I want to, uh, give it a shot myself. You know, let me go be a backup quarterback for the insert team that is for the commanders. You know, where Sam mm -hmm. Howell has been playing well, but it's not like Sam Howell is an established starting quarterback in the league. Or, no. you know, insert uh, the uh, the Giants, you know, pl playing for a team like that to where he thinks, you know, the Cardinals, you know, one of these teams that doesn't necessarily have the established starting quarterback. You never know if Jake Browning would want that because he knows that barring something happening, he's not going to be the starting quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah. No, no, that's that's definitely uh, that's definitely a certain. Um, I think the Bengals. I think I mean, if they can retain control for Jake for another two or three years, that would be great for the Bengals. And uh, I mean, it seems like they have the ability to do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, if if I'm Jake, I'm you know I would be wanting one of those you know potential starting quarterback gigs like the Falcons or the Cardinals, the uh, you know, Raiders, anybody that's, you know, Raiders, you, you, anybody that's quarterback needy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's good to finally have that backup quarterback who you can definitely rely upon when the situation is needed. And, you know, that's definitely not something I was expecting to have uh, in Jake Browning. And, you know, kudos to him for, you know, proving all the doubters wrong. Absolutely. Some of the other things I know we, we want to make sure that we mention here about that Vikings game, because I think there were a couple of other standouts. I know we were talking either going into the stadium or something outside. 
where I told you that I created a, a parlay with a T Higgins anytime touchdown. And I think your exact words were, I don't like that. And I don't know if T like was listening to you. Yeah. Uh, because I mean, he had two touchdowns in the game and that second touchdown, you know, with 40 seconds left in the game or with whatever it was, you know, the play that got the bank really won the Bengals, the game, you know, put, put him in the chance to go to overtime was one of the best plays you're really going to see a wide receiver made based on pure athleticism. Uh, I mean, just like it, it, you just keep on listing off the things because I know I, 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 and I correct me if I'm wrong here. I don't know that you saw the stretch over when it happened, when he made the catch, I thought I did, but it was one of those things that like my brain was like, no, that, that, that really couldn't have happened. Cause we were in the stadium and we were on the, the opposite side. And it was kind of like my brain's like, wait, did, did that really happen? Because the official kind of stuttered for a little bit and then puts both hands up. And I was like, oh, my goodness, it, it, it absolutely was. Yeah, um, that that was probably the best play of T's career was. And, and actually, I mean, it, if you want to put the Super Bowl touchdowns in there, maybe maybe it'll be the third. Maybe it's the third best. Play of his career, but AFC championship to the catch over the middle. It it looked different good. play. As far as if you're talking D- just just pure, pure difficulty, I would say, and, and then also timely. Like you, yeah. you got to because obviously Vikings in early December is a little different than AFC championship against the. Uh, uh, it it's one of those plays that look it looks great, and I'm not here to like downplay it at all that much, but. You know, receivers or ball carriers crossing the goal line are told to never do this. I mean, it's cool he did that and got the touchdown. It looked awesome. But that was a really risky thing that he did, stretching the ball over the goal line like that. I mean, hell, what was that? It was a Bucks falcons game, I think, that uh, Ritter extended over the goal line, or maybe it was, uh, I think it was Ritter, and it, it bounced out of bounds and ended up being a touchback. I mean, so I don't want to downplay it too much. T T had a really good game. He had two really nice touchdowns. But uh and and the play looked awesome. It looked sick and it was great. But they could have like it, it's one of those plays where if everything went poorly, we but would it's be also not talking to him in the same light that, that we're talking about right now. You're down seven and there's forty seconds left. You're trying to make a play. And that's where I don't think that now the, time, you know, the timing of it couldn't have been better. I would say to do something like that. Yes, correct. Uh, Paul, to answer your question, uh, I am unavailable tomorrow, so that's why we're recording today. And for the other podcast, to answer this. No, that'll be on Thursday. Uh, to answer your question, there. I know Freddie wrote, wrote in here and says uh, he was wrong about Jake, but he thinks we need to start thinking a lot of these guys could be successful in these systems with these weapons. Zach has moments of greatness that makes you scratch your head. If he gets his team to the playoff, who gets more of the credit? Here's the thing. If, if the Bengals make the playoffs, I think Zach Taylor has a legitimate case. I don't think he will, but he will get coach of the year votes. Yeah, I think he will anyways, just given how the team's playing and, without and, and, Joe and Burrow. You also want to know that who I think we've been talking all season about this could potentially be Luana Rumo's last year and so on. I think Brian Callahan's going to get get more head coaching interviews this year than he has been because I think teams are looking and seeing this guy's doing this with who? He, he, he you know, and I mean, I know Zach Taylor's the play caller, but still, Brian Callahan is the offensive coordinator behind this. 
So I wouldn't be surprised to see Brian Callahan get uh, more head coaching interviews as well for some of these teams that want to try and recreate kind of what the Bengals are doing for with quarterbacks who might not be as established as a Joe Burrow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say Brian Callahan's going to get a lot more buzz than Lou this year. And not just because, you know, Lou's defense has taken a, a step back for the most part for the majority of the season. Now they've played, I think, really well. And I think they've played their best football of the season the past two games. But, um, you know, the league is shifting towards more offensive-minded coaches. You're you're not seeing defensive head coaches get hired at the same rate that they used to. I would say it's probably, I'd say probably two-thirds of the league is made up of offensive-minded head coaches. And you, st- you still see defensive coaches get hired every now and then. Obviously, Lou and Jonathan Gannon were the finalists for the Cardinals job. Um. But yeah, I think I think Brian's going to get a lot of buzz, and um, we talk about giving credit to Zach Taylor. Um, yeah, I'm done. I'm done whining and complaining. Whatever you know, the Bengals have a bad game because Zach has kind of proven me wrong and proven a lot of doubters wrong again and again and again. Here's and again. the one thing. Here's the one thing about Zach Taylor. You can say what you want about him, but you can't deny that they play their best football in December. Yeah. I, I actually I, yeah, I noted this uh, a couple weeks ago is that it just seems like they're in, always here. Even you know, in 2019, even in 2019, for yeah. the most part, they were playing pretty decent football in December. Went two and two, two and two in yeah. December, I believe. <laughs> you know, in in and maybe that the last win might have been early January, but still, I kind of throw that first game into January into the December realm yeah. with that. You know, 2020, they beat the Steelers, upset that game. 2021, obviously got hot, went on the run to the playoffs. Uh, you know, th- they play better as the season goes along. To me, on the defense, one of the standouts uh, from the game against the Vikings, a guy that has taken a lot of criticism as well. I've always said, and I, Mick, I know your agreement with me, that it's really been unfounded criticism because he just hasn't had many opportunities. But Miles Murphy came out four tackles and a sack. Uh, he was having multiple pressures. I know, Mick, you probably have the PFF pressures um, for that. Uh, but I, I was very impressed with Miles Murphy. He's continuing to get better and better and better as this season goes along and making the most of his opportunities that are probably going to get more and more with what we're going to talk about here in a couple of minutes with some of the injuries on that defense. Yeah, Miles has looked really good uh, in the game. He did lead the team in pass rush win rate. Um, I'm getting that pulled up right now. I want to say it was like 15 points. Four percent, which led the team, um, and yeah, I, I haven't been. I, I we haven't been ones to to jump on, you know, the Miles Murphy is trash uh, wagon, you know, bandwagon, just because we know that he didn't have many opportunities going into the season, or you know, early on in the season, and he slowly uh, guarded more opportunities, but. You know, I, I think he's probably looks like our second best edge rusher on the defense for the last four or five games or so. And I'm pretty sure he's led led the team in pass rush win rate for a good chunk of those games as well, albeit on limited snaps. He was just somebody that really stood out to me from that game. And I think when you talk about the defense as a whole, we have to continue talking about the red zone defense. 
again, mm-hmm. they came away with the stops in there. You had the Mike Hilton diving interception. I mean, it's just here's the thing. The defense gives up more yards than just about anybody. Yeah. But in the red zone, they lead the league in uh, in trips to the red zone without anything for other teams. And that, you know what, that means something. It's that bend but don't break philosophy, which I think drives fans crazy. And I think fans have a reason for it to kind of drive them crazy to an extent. All of them that have fantasy teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, and, but I mean, the biggest thing, like Lou Anarumo says, the stat that matters the most for a defense is points. And, yes. you know, the scoring defense for the Bengals is not as bad as it is as far as the yardage wise when you look at that. And that is what means a lot. And a lot of that goes with red zone defense. And I think that, uh, you know, Lou Anarumo and his defense deserve a lot of credit for that. Yeah. And think about how much time the offense has to game plan a drive while the defense is out there giving up a lot of yards. But, no points or little little to no points. So yeah, I, I remember watching that the preseason game against Atlanta. It was the one drive that the Bengals first string defense is out there. And I think you remember that drive where Atlanta was just like marching. Sixteen down the plays field. or something, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, sixteen plays. They literally just couldn't get off the field. And then what do you know? Tip drill, tip drill interception by I think Mike Hilton or or yeah, wasn't it like Cam Sample or something or Joseph know, Osai? It, it might have been Osai. Might have been. I think Osai, it was Joseph but... Osai. Maybe Hilton tipped it and Osai got it. Now you're asking me why I'm bringing this up. You just kind of knew from that first drive. This is the defense they're going to be in 2023. Is it the best defense in the world? No. Is it the prettiest? No. It's it's it, it could get quite ugly at times. But their sheer ability to come up to come in the come up in the clutch and and limit the amount of points, force, force a turnover, force a field goal, uh, to, to really limit the other team getting into the end zone, especially when their their backs are against the goal line there, is is really impressive. And uh, credit to Lou for for having a defense that, that does that. To me, some of the big uh, negatives as far as the game comes, at least, is... is and I say negative because it's just negative long-term are the injuries. Yeah. Uh, the defense, if your name was DJ, uh, it was a rough day uh, on Sunday or on Saturday. DJ Reader, quad muscle, out for the season. DJ Ivy appears to have torn his ACL, out for the season. Uh, to me, let's, and then we'll, uh, we'll come back to Jamar because he is not necessarily out for the season. Let's start with DJ Ivy. Uh, this one uh, is is one of those that you just have to hurt for the guy. And why I say that is, is he finally was starting to get more snaps and was playing really well. I mean, the game against the Colts, I think we listed him as one of our players of the game. Uh, he had, what, had a forced fumble, uh, had a pass breakup, if my memory's right with that. And then he tears his ACL on a play. And, and that's just what you have to hurt for, for a guy that was a seventh-round pick fought his way onto this roster and now his season's ending. And with it being the middle of December for a corner, you got to wonder if next year's even up and up in the air. Yeah. Yeah. Torn ACL. He tore pretty late in the season. Yeah. I mean, do the math. He's, he's probably out a good month, at least in 2024. Well, I mean, Uh, the way I think about it is Cheeto. His was Halloween. 
Mm. And when when do we really think Cheeto has been 100%? What, maybe the first of this month? I know yeah. he was playing. So that's telling me that that's 13 months later. Okay, that's the first round of the playoffs next year. Yeah. No, now let's 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 be fair here and say that it's kind of apples and oranges with the Cheeto situation because Cheeto was thrusted into starting right away in 2023. DJ Ivy isn't expected to start in 2024, which theoretically I would say that's less wear and tear that he's putting on that knee and you know giving him more time to be able to trust it. So it might be a little bit of a different situation, but I totally agree. You definitely, definitely, you know, sucks for the guy. And he, he played uh, some really good football against the Colts. It seems like they were starting to gain, you know, put him more into the game plan a lot more in recent weeks. And then, you know, just to have this happen, it, it stinks for him. So that DJ reader, that's a huge loss for the defense. I would see he's the second best player on the defense this year in his, you know, provided a lot of stability and, you know, has, has absolutely wrecked opposing teams at times this season. So, I mean, that's just, that's, that's, for, a, that's a hard thing to, to get, hard thing to for get me, through though, as well. For me, it's now a question that we need to ask, and it's going to be one that we'll revisit in maybe four weeks, maybe six weeks, maybe eight weeks. I don't know how long it'll be until we start talking about free agency. But Mick, right now, yes or no? Was that the last time we saw DJ Reader in a Cincinnati Bengals uniform? I believe it is, uh, given the you know, given the fact that he's twenty nine. I think maybe thirty. Correct. He's twenty nine. Yeah. It'll 20. be thirty when next year. And so he's twenty nine. Bengals don't like signing people, uh, you know, to their third contract, especially after the Carlos and Gino situation. Uh, in their third contracts, I think that they'd be afraid to do that, and I don't necessarily think they should. Um, Does the injury make it more or less likely, though? Because I, I kind of see likely. both sides. I think it makes it more likely that he won't come back. There's going to be a so you say it's more really... likely that he won't come back because I can see yeah. it almost being more likely that he would come back because the Bengals might be willing to give him a shot. But here's the thing: I know I was reading that that torn quad, which appears uh, is to what it was is a 10 to 12 month recovery sometimes. Mm -hmm. So that to me is wondering, you know, would he come back as almost a one year prove it deal for the Bengals next year and then go get paid again. But I, cause I don't know, is he going to get paid what he was if he, if he hadn't gotten hurt? And I think the answer is probably not because teams aren't going to necessarily, how much risk are they going to put into paying a 30 year old defensive lineman who is having his second quad injury, you know, because he mm -hmm. had this injury back in 2020, if you remember. So this is the second time he's had it. That's what's interesting. And this will be obviously a discussion that we'll have at length, you know, during the off season, because I know Mick, Mick and I, there's probably nothing. We, we love the season, but we almost enjoy like free agency a draft more than the actual season because we're nerds like that. Yeah. Um, I just don't think, it's, it would be beneficial for the Bengals to to do that. Um, and, and I'm not disagreeing. I, I, yeah. I, I To be honest with you, if they came out today and said, we re-signed DJ Reader to a three-year contract, or they said, we're not re-signing DJ Reader, I would not like be mad either way. Yeah. Like, and that, that's kind of the thing is I, I really don't know how I feel about it, and I think it'll be something that we're going to have to discover because I think the biggest question mark 
is who is behind. And I think Jared literally went right into my question of who replaces him. I mean, they did try to pick up. You're going to have to, you know, they found Reader in free agency in 2020. Yeah. You know, so you, you know, you can find somebody uh, that you can sign to a reasonable contract in free agency. And I mean, or you draft somebody. I mean, that's just. Is Dan Wilkinson still. Is does he I don't still, think I'd he want still Dan Wilkinson, but you know, it, yeah, we don't have anybody on the roster currently, but that's a 2024 issue. Uh, that's you know, right now, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, you might think about kicking Sam inside and letting Miles take I, the edge. Uh, I do know that Luana Rumo said today on that because I read that I read a tweet from that. He said that's not happening. Was pretty That's much his long happening. story short. That's pretty much was his long story short to it. And I don't think Lou is a game gamesmanship guy. Like I, I feel like he's not the guy that's gonna like coach speak. I feel like if he says it's not gonna happen, then he probably means it's not gonna happen. I don't disagree though, because you saw Sam Hubbard do that over these last couple of years where he kind of shifted into almost a three tech. Yeah. But I think it's just you're gonna be relying a lot more on guys like Josh Tupo, guys like Zach Carter. And guys like uh, uh, Tufele. Yeah. Yeah. And and we've seen those guys in action before. They definitely can fill a hole in a, in a roster spot. Are they very good at defensive tackles? Uh, I don't know. Probably not. They're definitely not the same re- level as, as a DJ reader. But, you know, people, people have other teams have injuries uh, on their rosters too. So, I mean, Speaking of other injuries as well, Jamar Chase left the game with a shoulder injury. And it's kind of interesting with this is Ian Rappaport, I think, was the reporter that came out last night and said pretty much he's going to miss multiple weeks. Zach Taylor came out today and said, not so fast, my friend. I'm not ruling him out for Saturday yet, but he's not practicing today. Now, that kind of leads us into the question of is Zach Taylor trying a little gamesmanship and saying, well, Steelers, you're still going to have to uh, prep for Jamar. Or is there really a shot that Jamar could play? And I kind of agree with Freddie. I think he's, he's, he's kind of playing the card a little bit. I don't expect Chase to play. Uh, and in a lot of realms, it's almost one of these things that can he do more damage than, you, you know, can he hurt this further to where he would be out multiple weeks by pushing it a week? I, I I don't really know the answer to that, but it's still a, a massive loss to this offense when it's Jake Browning is playing as well as he is. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's definitely not ideal, and he's definitely built. I, I would say a pretty decent rapport with Jamar over the past month. Um, this is definitely gamesmanship, gamesmanship from from Zach. Jamar's not going to play on Sunday against the Steelers, but definitely could be back for the Kansas City game. Um, just depending on how far he can progress through it. And also it kind of depends on what the team, you know, how the game against the Steelers go, because if they lose against the Steelers, I think they'll, they'll trot out Jamar and, and try to, uh, you know, they, they'd have to win out essentially to make the playoffs. So I don't think he's playing against the Steelers. Uh, long story short. Do you have any other really quick takeaways from the Vikings game as a whole, or do you want to jump into playoff talk? Because I know um, we, we actually we yeah, have spent I, quite a bit of time on Vikings, so it's I mean it's good conversation. So I'm not denying it at all. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna 
I don't think there's much else. I do want to shout out Mike Hilton. I think he had a really good game uh, against the Vikings. Uh, only gave up three receptions on five targets for, for 15 yards and had a pass breakup. Jermaine Pratt also had a good game in coverage. Now he did give up the touchdown uh, to Jordan Addison in the end zone, but anybody that watched the game knew that uh, that was just a great play by Addison, uh, him getting the jump ball there. Um and that's a mismatch. Yeah, kind of. It's in the end zone, though. It was a one-yard like goal line play, so I can't yeah, really call yeah, it yeah. a mismatch or or a matchup issue. But um, offensive line looked pretty good uh, again for the third straight week. It wasn't as dominant as the Colts game, but uh, they were obviously facing a lot of blitzes. I'm pretty sure the Vikings blitzed more often than they didn't in the game against the Bengals. So. Uh, Kudos to them for for handling it, and kudos to Browning for, you know, uh, picking up on the blitzes more throughout the game and, and, and getting the ball to move the ball down the field. And uh, that's it. I do agree with what Jared says too. Here is I think you're going to see Dominique Davis called up from the practice squad. Uh, I know that it sounded like today that the Bengals did have a couple of players that came in and tried out or like worked out to see if they wanted to get signed to either the practice squad or the active roster. I know the popular name that everyone brings up, but I think it's just one of these realms of, oh, I know that name, is is Indomitian Sue. Uh, the man is 75 years old. I, I can't imagine that. I think they'd have better chance getting Dan Wilkinson back than than Sue. Yeah. Um, just because I and, think, I mean, he's 37. He's kind of a problem. Uh you know, he's, he's kind of a, uh, I don't even know the word to describe him. Eccentric. Their liability insurance premiums would skyrocket if they had an atomic and seal on the roster. So, that dude I, is dirty. Not correct. a good way. I, yes. I can't imagine that that being a Zach Taylor guy to bring in. How yeah. about the playoffs? Playoffs. Uh, talking about playoffs here. The season ended today, Mick. The Cincinnati Bengals will be the number six seed headed to Kansas City in the first round of the playoffs, but they're currently tied right now with their record with the Texans, Colts, and Broncos right behind them, the Pittsburgh the Steelers. Oh, and the, well, Bills. the Bills. Bills. Correct. And you have the Steelers there as well. Um, a game behind. So this is a big game at the Steelers at seven and seven, Bengals at eight and six. This is a big game because of that. Because another thing to think about is that you're a game back from the Browns a team that you are going to play in a couple of weeks at home makes something we talked about off air that a game that could potentially be flexed to a Sunday night football because there could be major playoff implications, but that could mean the difference between going to a Jacksonville in a first round playoff game versus going to Miami, Baltimore, Kansas city. Now, I don't think Kansas City is daunting, but I don't think you really, if you have your choice, want to go there in the first round of the playoffs. Like, I don't think they're great, but still, it's Arrowhead, the playoffs. Bengals know everything about that. And I don't think you want any part of playing Baltimore or Miami. Yeah. I The one team I wouldn't want to play right now is Baltimore, and that would be it. Because I don't think... I, I We've yet to see Miami have a really good game against a decent op- opponent. So I'm not a believer in the Dolphins. Kansas City doesn't scare me with the way their receivers are playing and, you know, with Mahomes whining on the bench and to Josh Allen after games. And 
I mean, I, w- I probably wouldn't want to play the Bills, but you're not going to have to play them in the wild card round unless they win their division. So, uh, and that, the, the that, thing that, that scares that me about the, the Dolphins is the Bengals' defense struggles in coverage. Yes, they do. <laughs> they do struggle in coverage, but also like they, they might yeah. give up 35 points against the Dolphins. I don't know because. You know, yeah, they, they might give up a lot of yards, but they're also that bend but don't break. They don't give up touchdowns. So I don't know. You yeah, know, I, the yards don't necessarily translate to points for Lou. I don't know if the if the if the Dolphins are the exception to the rule there or not. I would they probably put up more points than other teams that we played against. But I I think I, I'd be more scared of the Ravens than anybody. But other when we when we look at teams that you want to win. If you're a Bengals fan, I think the Dolphins are one of those teams because they, them winning and pushing the Bills out is a double good thing because you mentioned, Mick, the Bills are playing really well. But if the Dolphins keep winning, they could be one of these things where the Bills just don't have enough time to catch up and get into the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And that keeps the spot open for the Bengals. And another thing with that is that what's a team, what's one of the few conference teams the Bengals have a, have a tiebreaker against? Bills, the Buffalo Bills, yeah, and, and that's why I think that it's uh, that's a team you really want Miami to keep on winning to push them back. Uh, that and I also would rather them be the number one overall seed than Baltimore be the number one overall seed. But then again, I it I it it more so just I'm meaning more that I don't want Baltimore to have home field advantage because I don't want them to host the AFC championship because I think that means that they go to the Super Bowl and I don't want that team to win the Super Bowl. That's more of why I'm saying it, not necessarily for the Bengals' benefit, more so that I just don't want to listen to Ravens fans say how Lamar's good. Yeah. So who are the other teams that you think that the Bengals need to be cheering for? Um, I, I don't know about cheering for, but if we're talking about cheering against for the rest of the season, Colts and Texans, I think those are two candidates. Uh, the Bills and Dolphins situation is, is fascinating to me because, you know, the Dolphins theoretically, I mean, they got to win two and they for sure get the division. Uh, but if they win two and force a tiebreaker, if they win two and one of those games is a, in one of those, uh, or if they win, shoot, why don't we look at the standings? I think I'm getting myself confused here. I think, so the Dolphins could very well lose out for the remaining three games of the of their schedule. They are playing the Cowboys, they are playing the Ravens, and they are playing the Bills, the Bills. in week, week, week 18. Very well could lose that out. The, the, the Bills have a very favorable schedule on their end for the last three games of their season they are playing the chargers the patriots and and obviously the dolphins so it's very possible that if the dolphins lose out the bills win out the bills win that division it is and and those are things that we'll just just have to to keep an eye on when we continue and it'll be one of these things that every single week it'll become a lot more clear and I think next week's episode is when we can actually like dive into if this happens, if that happens, if this happens, then that happens. I think mm-hmm. we're still a week ahead of what we do. And I agree with what Jared said here. I think we're going to really see what Miami's made up in these last three weeks. So just is, given what where the, the team is at and where our playoff positioning is at, what are the odds you think this what, – what are the odds you think the 2023 Bengals make the playoffs? 
Well, according to the actual, like the percentages, it's like 34%. Really? It's that low. Yes. I was yes. going to say like right at 50, but yeah. The, that 34, what I read, it, 34% was what I was reading. Um, but I think if they win, it win on Saturday, it goes up to like 60. Really? But if they okay. lose, I think it drops to 14. So I yeah. think that's what it is. In fact, here, well, I could just say this on. Um, just while I'm talking, I can just actually pull it up here and see if my computer will allow for this instead. But I, it, it is interesting with all of this as I'm looking here is to see. Okay, so right now, the Bengals have a 37% chance to make the playoffs. Did you say 37? You were cutting out. Correct. There. 37% okay. to make the playoffs is what they have. If they win on Saturday, it will jump up to about 53%. If they lose, it drops down to 13%. Yeah. I, I so think that they just have shows to win their... out in order to make it. I, I think that's really their, their only for sure way of making it in is by, is by winning out. I mean... Yeah, I mean, they control their own destiny is, is yeah. pretty much what it is. I mean, here's the thing, too. It's it's not crazy to say that, I mean, their schedule is easy, but they're struggling right now. Bengals could knock the Chiefs out of the playoffs. You know, Broncos playing well. Like, I don't think it'll happen because the, the Chiefs, Chiefs have an easy might schedule. Have too many tiebreakers against But how hilarious would it be if they missed the playoffs and the Bengals made it? Like, that just would make me very happy. That would the Bengals be funny. That would be good. Um. That would be uh, good. How about let's uh, jump into Saturday's game. Bengals-Steelers on NBC, 4.30 p.m. It'll be Noah Eagle and Todd Blackledge on the call. Noah Eagle is Ian's son, and he sounds and looks exactly like him. <laughs> it's just funny. It's literally Ian Eagle, 30 years younger. Uh <laughs> Todd Blackledge is a guy that was on ESPN for a long time. If you don't know the name and you watch a lot of college football, you'll recognize him uh, when he starts doing it. These, this was like one of the Big Ten crews on NBC this year. The official for Saturday's game, Mick, you ready? You ready for your official stats? Mm-hmm. Craig Rolstad will be the official on Saturday. A guy that the name probably sounds familiar, and when you see his face, he'll definitely look familiar. Bengals in games. Craig Rolstad has been the official for five and three winning okay. record. Here's something that's interesting. That again means absolutely nothing. They won the first four, lost the next four and won the most recent one. So maybe that means it's a, it's a good trend trending in the right direction here. Notable games that I was looking at last year at the Patriots. Okay. And then in 2021, the games against the 49ers, and then the Mike White game against the Jets. Craig Rolstad was the official of those. Injury report for the Bengals. Jamar Chase did not practice today. I think Mick and I both agree that we don't expect him, at least as of recording on Tuesday evening, do not expect him to play on Saturday against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Would I be shocked if he does play? No. But I do not expect him do not expect him to play in that game. Uh, limited in practice was Chase Brown, Alex Kappa, and Drew Sample. So you expect probably those three to play, barring something drastic. 
Uh, for the Steelers, uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, Najee Harris, too big, did not practice today. I know it sounds like Minka is out on Saturday. He will not play. Trenton Thompson and Isaac Sumalo also did not practice today. Kenny Pickett was back at practice, limited today. Pat Fryermuth and Cam Hayward were also notable limited practices for the Steelers. Anything stand up for you on that injury report, Mick? Other than, really, for me, it's Minka not playing on Saturday. Oh, I would say Kenny Pickett potentially playing on Saturday is the big thing for me because, believe it or not, I know you don't like Kenny Pickett that much, but I think there's a pretty big drop-off between him and Mason Rudolph, so... Um, uh, that's, that's definitely news to me. I, as far as I've heard, I thought Mason Rudolph was probably getting the start. On he Saturday. is getting the start on Saturday. So that, that's at least Kenny's what Mike. Re- I was going to uh, say, if Kenny's ready to go, they're not going to play him. Is he it doesn't sound like, it. I mean, Mike Tomlin said yesterday that, that, uh, you know, Mason Rudolph is going to start. And then the other thing is, is that the safety uh, was suspended as well for the rest of the season for having another unnecessary rough. This facilities. is some coach speak from uh, from uh, Mike Tomlin here. See, I just like, I, and I mean, listen, and and Josh is saying the same thing as you. There's no damn difference between Mason Rudolph and Kenny freaking Pickett. I think there is a huge difference between those two. Like, it's not like Kenny Pickett's great. But also, you watched Kenny Pickett kind of torch Bengals defense a few weeks ago, even though they yeah, only gave I mean, up I mean, 16 points. I'm not denying that, but it's just, I just don't I, think you're seeing Mason Rudolph do anything close to that. He did torch the Bengals defense in 2019. We can come to that in a little bit, but um, I I don't know. It's to me, I don't know who that it really matters that much because I think it's going to come down to uh, the running attack is going to be the biggest thing is if the Bengals can slow that down, unlike they did last time. Um, do we want to start Bengals defense against Steelers offense then, since we're already kind of talking about that, breaking down that aspect of the game? Yeah, might as well. So Mason Rudolph expected to start, started two games against the Bengals in 2019. One was good. Uh, 85.7% completion percentage with two touchdowns. One, not so good. 50% completion percentage with one interception. Steelers did win both of those games. Um, when you look at that game last time, and Mick, you you mentioned it, 33 passes and 33 runs. Can't be more balanced than the first game without Matt Canada for over 420 yards in that game. Najee Harris averaged 6.6 yards per rush, second highest in his career. And those two are, are to say they're anomalies is an understatement. I mean, they're two so far ahead of the rest in his career that it's not even funny. And then the other stat from that game was Pat Fryermuth nine catches for 120 yards. Yeah. To me, so, st- stopping the run is is got to be huge. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be a big a big uh, a big key here is stopping the run. And obviously, DJ Reader's out for the rest of the season. You're going to have to find you know Tupo's going to have to step up in the you know in the middle there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think we've seen the defense play fairly well against the run the past two weeks. Now the game against the Vikings, Ty Chandler's stat line looks pretty good. But, you know, I I think a lot of those yards were kind of nothing yards too. I mean, I don't think they were really translating the points other than the touchdown he scored. So 
And then obviously they held the Colts to uh, pretty much nothing in the ground game. So just still one of the most wild things. Yeah, I agree. Um, so I, I think the, the defense, hopefully they're more prepared for the Steelers rushing attack this time around. And, uh, you know, we didn't really see much of Jalen Warren in the first game. So he definitely game plan for him. I, I hope we don't see the same game out of Najee because uh, that was that was frankly embarrassing like a month ago watching uh, – Najee run for a hundred yards against us. Like that's. Yeah, it, it was against a, I mean, cause Najee was one of those guys that I'll be honest, when he got drafted, I was like, Oh, like that, that was one guy that worried me a little bit. Like being a Bengals fan, he was one of those guys that was like, I don't want him to go there just cause he, he, he tore it up at Alabama mm-hmm. and he is not filled up to those expectations. He's just Trent Richardson part two. I think he's just, yeah, I mean it's 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 kind of hard to hard to deny that. Uh, and I mean, when you had gave up his second best game of his career, I mean that that's embarrassing uh, for a running back that is not that's not Christian McCaffrey out there. <laughs> you know that where you just tip your cap and be like, man, this guy's just really really good. Like that's it's just I I that's what and then. To me, it's also you. You can't let Fryermuth do what he was doing. No, and I thought they did a pretty good job of limiting uh, Hawkinson uh, in the Vikings game. So maybe they found like a new way to game plan for tight ends. But also, just Fryermuth has a different build to him, though, as well. He's a lot more lanky, and I think maybe a hair bit taller than T.J. Hawkinson. So I, I just wonder if just maybe. Fire Moose, you know, built and overall skill set. I wonder if the Bengals just don't play that type of tight end better than they play a tight end like Hawkinson. But maybe, maybe, maybe they found a way to game plan for that in the future. I mean, I hope so. Because look good the past couple weeks. So, yeah, I mean, you shut him down and you don't let them run the ball. There was no reason this game shouldn't be, I mean, should be close like close i mean i don't know close but i think you know what i mean by that as far as like the Bengals are the better football team there's yeah. no question no question with that yeah uh and but if you're letting these guys step up and make them look like the better football team and make whoever the hell starts a quarterback for them look like because i mean kenny pickett look like you know a much better quarterback than he is is it's just I that to me those two things are the biggest thing as far as the Bengals defense against the Steelers offense and then they really didn't get much pass rush in that game against a Steelers offensive line that is it's not like it's not like you're trotting out there against the Cowboys offensive line. <laughs> no, no, it's uh, the Steelers offensive line is pretty bad this year. And usually uh, the Bengals have destroyed bad offensive lines, the defensive I, line. I want to say, I mean, I still, even though Trey Hendrickson has played, but ever since his injury, he hasn't been getting the same pass rush win rate numbers that he usually does. Now, nobody really ever notices that because the sack numbers are still um, are still pretty on par with how he's played throughout the rest of the season or, you know, in the beginning and middle of the season. So... You haven't really noticed it as much, but yeah, he's only he only had two pressures against the Vikings on on Saturday last week. So, and the, and the pass rush in general is just hasn't graded very well 
um, over the past month. But the good news is, is that the coverage is, is stepped up in their place. So, I mean, in the, the coverage, the, the defensive back unit is not going to have much of an easier matchup than they do against the Steelers. Now, I know Fryermuth went off, but dealing with receivers like Pickens and, and jo- Deontay Johnson, that's not the hardest wide receiver duo you're going to have to face. You know, so this is not Jordan, Justin Jefferson and Jordan. It, yeah, it's definitely a, a huge drop off uh, when you're comparing them to the Vikings receivers. So honestly, it's it's probably somewhat similar to Colts. I would say I think so. I would say Pittman, the Colts are better, better, but yeah, I, I think it's 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 a lot more Colts than it is Vikings. Yes. Yes. Uh, and maybe a little better than the Chiefs. I don't know. We'll mm-hmm. talk about that next week because the Chiefs, I don't even know what the hell they're doing at wide receiver. Uh, Bengals offense against the Steelers defense. Last time, these are the two big stats that stood out to me in the last game against the Steelers. Two of 10 on third down. And then the running backs, eight carries for 16 yards. Uh, we talked at length about especially the second half of that stat, the eight carries for 16 yards in the podcast after the Steelers game a couple of weeks ago. And a lot of that, as we said, Mick, was it wasn't working, so why keep doing it? Yeah. But I still think you're going to have to get, I mean, you, 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 you trot that back up there, and it's a recipe for disaster on the road in what is a primetime game in Pittsburgh. I know it's, you know, 4.30 p.m. It's the only game on. They're going to be fired up there at the stadium formerly known as Heinz. Uh, that 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 running attack is going to have to be better. I don't. I mean, it's not like we're going to have to go out there and say, "Hey, Chase Brown and Joe Mixon, you're going to need to combine for 150." But it, it, they can't. Sure as heck, can't combine for 16. Yeah, I, I think that they're definitely going to have to game plan a little bit better and and try to incorporate the run more than what they did a, a month ago. Um, now, the good news is the the past three games, I feel like they've ran the ball. Um. A, a fairly decent amount. Definitely in the Jaguars and Colts game, I think the Vikings game might have been a slight decrease compared to those two games, but they still ran it at a decent clip. Let me get the stats pulled up here. Um, well, because what? I mean, they I ran think... the ball 25 plus times against the Jaguars and the Colts. Um, you know how many how many times they ran against the Vikings? Not off the top of my head, but I think uh, twenty-two, twenty-two times. Jared makes a good point here. Is I think so, the biggest thing is did Chase Brown getting him involved? Freddie asked, did Chase did uh, I, I'm assuming he's meaning Chase Brown and not Jamar Chase with this. He didn't have any rushing attempts in that game. That was his first game back from injury. If my memory mm-hmm. and they, I think I know that Brian Callahan said after the game that they had. They had things for him, but the game didn't end up the way to where they could use them. I think was pretty much his, yeah. his long story short in saying that, and then he came out and had a great game pretty much every game since then. He didn't do much on, on Saturday against the Vikings, but that isn't like it's a, it's a shot at Chase Brown by any means. I think he had seven carries for 22 yards in that game against the Vikings, which is, which is fine. It's not like the run game is like completely like blown us away the past three weeks, but the fact that they are like incorporating it's it more something. into the offensive game plan, 
Yeah, it works. It works. It's, you know, <laughs> you, you run the ball a few times and then, you know, Jake Browning finds somebody down the field. I mean, to me, that's what this Bengals offense is. They do not need to be an elite running team. No. They just need to not be a, a crappy running team. Yeah. They just need a, if they, you give Joe Burrow, we're just talking long term here, an average rushing attack, this offense. I mean, the sky is the limit. Yeah. Uh, the uh, another stat or two: T.J. Watt, sixteen sats, sacks on that defense. Obviously, you know what he does. Uh, I know you. You always mention that his win percentage is is down this year, uh, and I think what he's like the fiftieth best pass rusher in the league, or it's in that realm, right? As in, far if as you're looking at grading it for, wise from that lens, so grading wise, no, he is top five. Um, you're talking win rate, right? Yeah, if we're looking at pass rush win rate, I don't have the exact, but it's something like 50th, that. right? Yeah, he's not, he's not, uh, yeah, he's not at like the top of the league, but he, he does get the sack numbers, uh, which you know, which can be which are huge, so yeah, I mean, it's uh. He's definitely somebody you got a game plan for and somebody that's going to be, you know, a potential problem. I, I think he had a really good game against the Bengals the last time they played as well. So. Yeah, because he had the one sack where they decided not to block him. <laughs> if you remember coming yeah, around. Yeah, miscommunication. <laughs> it, it was. It was. And it was just like it's one of those things it looks like. It's like, oh, not blocking that guy seems like it's a great plan. Uh, but yeah. uh, they do blitz. Fourth highest blitz percentage in the NFL. Uh, so similar to the Vikings in that realm where they are going to bring the pressure with those guys like Watt. Um, but other than that, statistically, very a middle of road defense. You know, they're yeah. not necessarily elite at anything, but they're not necessarily bad at anything. They're very yeah. middle of the road, probably upper middle of the road. As far as, you know, looking at statistically as far as pass defense rush defense, EPA, and, and, and such with that. So it's a very middle-of-the-road defense, but it's still, uh, I mean, it's the Bengals have been known to make the Steelers' defense look like it is a stellar defense, and they did uh, with Jake Browning in his first career start a couple of weeks ago there in Cincinnati. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, I think they're a, a pretty solid defense, and obviously they, they've carried the team, and they're, they're probably the reason why they've gotten seven wins on the year, just given how bad the offense has looked for the Steelers this year. Um, yeah, their pass rush is, is scary. They've got a good uh, – they've got good linebackers. They've got a Landon Roberts, and uh, – He's had a good year, too. Yeah, Landon Roberts has had, had a really good year. He's, uh, you know, former – former Belichick player who, you know, started for the Patriots for, for a few years. I'm trying to remember who the other linebacker is. Nick Herbig, I guess. Nick Herbig's looked pretty decent this year. Um, but where the where the Steelers kind of lack is in coverage. I mean, really, your only good defensive back that's not Minka. Minka hasn't been on the field that much uh, in recent weeks is Joey Porter Jr., uh, and then you're also they're also lost another starter in Demonte Casey, who hasn't been that great, but obviously has played meaningful snaps. So yeah, I mean, I think if there's a 
a good place to try to exploit the defensive backfield, but the but the rough part of that is that Jamar is probably not going to play in this game. To me, your key on offense to the Bengals, I think, is Tyler Boyd. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. you're really looking at Tyler Boyd having a, a big game, and I think using that screen game could be huge. We've seen that a lot over these last couple of weeks. When you have an aggressive defense, that's where the screen game can become dangerous. Now, with that, one of the things that TJ Watt might be as good at out of any other defensive lineman in the league is the tip pass. Yeah. Oh, that's probably uh, one that's, of the best interceptions I've ever seen. The one he had against, had against Burrow. Burrow in week one of last year. But that's where I think that the screen game, you're going to have to be careful with it. So it's it's kind of this, it's the cat and mouse game. And again, that's AFC North football. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I don't think it's going to be a very pretty game. Um, no. By any means. I wonder what the weather's looking like. We got any weather updates? Probably gray and like death. That is what kind of it's usually like in Pittsburgh. That's yeah. I might be just a smidge biased though. Just a smidge. I feel like that's just the way any AFC North game looks like. I think it's like the NFL rules that it has to be December AFC North games have to be gray, maybe a little bit of rain. Uh, Cloudy with areas of drizzle. Yep. That, that sounds about right. That's an AFC North game in December. I, I feel like it is in the in the contract. As 99% far as cloud cover. Yep. There you yeah. go. Gray and death. That's pretty much what it sounds like there in Pittsburgh. Um, any other final thoughts on this game, or should we jump into your keys? Yeah, I mean, I kind of discussed the keys, and I can't even remember what I said, but... Uh... Yeah, I don't really have many more thoughts on this game. I mean, I think the biggest keys to victory are going to be the defense just has to sit there and play against Mason Rudolph. They just have to show up, and they're going to be fine. And uh, I think that they just have to get the running game more incorporated on offense. Um, And if it comes down to it, just take your helmet out and beat them with it. Right? Just say something. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, just what what else yeah. is Jackson Carmen on the team for? Like just uh, put him out there and then put him out there at uh, defensive tackle for one play and just tell him to go beat Mason Rudolph with his own helmet. There we go. Right? If if push yeah. comes to shove. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, you just gotta sit out there and play against Mason Rudolph. You really don't have that even you don't even have to do anything. I don't think you just got to go up and play soft zone the whole game and let them throw interceptions. Yeah, and that that's that's definitely what you got to hope because I I mean here's the here's the final question before our picks. Is this the last time that the Bengals play against the Steelers with Mike Tomlin as the head coach? Potentially, yeah. I I think they I think it is because it's kind of like Belichick. I feel like he's not evolving the way that coaches need to to evolve and adapt to the new NFL. And he obviously, ever since, uh, who's their offensive coordinator in 2017? There's a name that I knew. Ever since Todd Haley left. Yep, yep. 
in 2017, the offense has just been, you know, slowly sputtering out of the control to the point where it's non-functional now, and it pretty much like the the, the Patriots have uh, have experienced over the past couple of years. So, I, yeah, I mean, I think that you could really see both of these franchises move on from their from their head coaches, their Hall of Fame head coaches, and um, look for that next offensive mind. You know. I could definitely see Callahan at one of those two places. Don't, don't, don't put Brian Callahan there. I don't, don't think do he'll go to Pittsburgh. Him. I think he definitely could get in New England, though. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Could, could we maybe interest Pittsburgh in a guy by the name of Matt Canada as their head coach? Well, why don't we give him Hugh? Hugh! <laughs> he is looking for a Hugh job Jackson. now. He is. He just got fired. Don't oh, give God. him Marvin, Can... though. I like Marvin too much. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Uh, picks for the game. Uh, again, 4.30 on Saturday on NBC. Now, an important thing to note is that there's two games on Saturday. The second game, which is the Bills and the uh, Dolphins. Is, or who, who do the Bills have on Sunday? Or Saturday? Or is it Dolphins? I don't remember. The Bills have... There are two games on Saturday. I don't think it's a game. And no, it is. I think it is actually a decent game. I actually Chargers. think it's that's not a good game. Oh, I thought it was actually Bills Chargers. Okay, I actually thought it was a better game than that. You probably that thought game, it was a good game like two weeks ago. Maybe that game is on Peacock, but the Bengals game will be on NBC. So don't get confused. Like the you will only be able to watch the Bengals game on NBC. You will not be able to watch the Bills game on NBC. So don't get confused with that. That the Bengals game will be on NBC. Mick. Uh, I'll pick first, and I'll go Bengals 16-13 against the Steelers in a true AFC North battle. Uh, Bengals 22, Pittsburgh 16. There we go. Very AFC North scores. Yes. Very AFC North scores. Yeah, I think it's uh, going to be ugly. A lot of field goals, and uh, Bengals win because they're better. Yes, I and plus, that's that's all I want for Christmas. <laughs> Just give me and that. They, and they've established Christmas presidents three years yes. ago against the Steelers. Yes. This time they got to do it in Pittsburgh. Yes. And uh, what more do I want for Christmas than just that? Um, that'll wrap us up, though, for the show for today. Uh, remember to follow us on our social media channels. Uh, we have a Twitter. You can subscribe to us there. Or subscribe. You can follow us there, uh, Jungle Juice Pod. You have, um, well, here's interesting. Jordan writes in here. He has a grade one shoulder sprain. My accident was eight days ago, and he's 100% now. It's a pretty quick recovery. I'm guessing Chase will be back. Okay. Interesting. Um, and that, you know, I mean, if, if it is a grade one shoulder sprain, that at least should make you feel at least somewhat better with that. But make sure you follow us on our social media channels. You can always go back and listen to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform, Spotify, iTunes, and so on. We've got all of the different ways to do it. Um, and yeah, so we appreciate it. And this is it uh, until after Christmas. So have a great Christmas. And if you don't celebrate Christmas, then... Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Have a good weekend. Happy festive right? season. Yeah, yeah ha- Festivus, right? Maybe you celebrate Festivus. Festivus. We can what air our grievances. That? What's Festivus? Oh my. You don't know what Festivus is? It's the airing of grievances. It's a Seinfeld oh. reference. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's that's my favorite holiday, right? There. Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, Merry Christmas, Mark. 
Good to see you a couple of weeks ago as well. Uh, thank everyone for tuning in, and that'll uh, wrap us up. Uh, wrap us up for the show. Yes, yeah, see, thanks, Freddie. He knows. He knows it's a Seinfeld reference. Um, Mick, Merry Christmas. Uh, we'll see you next week. Merry Christmas, guys. Who day? And thanks for watching.